Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Always available around the country on the Odyssey app. Download it today for free. and Just search Odyssey on your Android or your iPhone. I hope most people are iPhone users by now, but it's A-U-D-A-C-Y. And then you can hear me on 910 The Fan from 12 to 3 p.m. We also have our sister station, the Team 980 in Washington, D.C. And from the Team 980 right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, it's Craig Hoffman. What's going on, Craig? What's up, Adam? How are you, man? Uh, Why are you so uh, anti-Android? Oh, my goodness. You you don't want to get me started on why I'm so anti-Android. When somebody texts me and it shows up with the green bubble, I, I usually just don't text back. I, I'm so against Android users. And my dad's one of these Android users. He doesn't even... Here's oh, the problem no. with Android users. They don't understand how to use the Android. iPhone users know how to use their phone for everything. These an, these Androids are too damn complicated for a, a man over his 60. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. All right. I mean, I'm not like I'm pro-Android as I sit here on my iPhone. I'm right. just curious, and uh, I didn't know how to unlock that. So you're welcome, audience. Well, I'll tell you, I am more upset, all right, I'm more upset at Linnell than I am Android users because I saw the headline from a quote that he gave on your show where he believes that Sam Howell's holding the offense back. Yeah, so we do a segment on Tuesdays we call Overreaction Tuesdays, uh, which is my chance to let Linnell get off his takes and also tell him that they're overreactions at times. <laughs> and um, he's actually, it's been funny. I've kind of been clowning him because he comes on the show and it's almost like he's scared, uh, to just go full hot take artist Linnell, uh, because he's sitting face to face with me. But this week, um, he was, he was a little more back on his game. And, um, I, I, the funny thing about it is if you read the article, so to speak, and not the headline, I think most people would actually agree with him. He made a lot of really compelling, interesting points. I just disagree with kind of the conclusion and the framing of it. Yeah. The biggest problem the offense has is they're taking too many sacks. The person most culpable for them taking so many sacks is Sam Howell. If you draw those lines to that is Sam Howell holding the offense back, you're correct. You're also ignoring the fact that he's also probably the biggest catalyst for the positive stuff that's happening in the offense. He is, I think, getting better in some of those sack situations, although the numbers don't reflect it yet. And, you know, that – he, there's not a better option. So it's not, it'd be one thing if it's like, oh, he's holding the offense back, put Jacoby Brissett in, and it would get better. No, the offense would then suffer in other areas that the sacks wouldn't make up for, and it'd be worse. So I don't love the framing. Same thing with, like, Eric Eager. Um, the quote that was made a lot of headlines yesterday from Kevin Sheehan's show, and I know Grant and Danny had uh, him on as well up here talking about, you know, Sam Howell's a, a high-end backup because of the sacks. It's like, well, yeah, if you want to look at it in a total vacuum, yeah, that, that's probably an accurate statement right now. His highest and best use is high-end backup. But realistically, he's a young player who is hopefully improving. Um, but I will say this, like if I'm going to be totally objective about this and take my future predictions out of it and what I think Sam can be, which is very good, um, sack, sack rate is not a stat that quarterbacks tend to get better at. It is a quarterback-driven stat, and it tends to be a thing that if you're bad at it in college, you'll be bad at it in the pros and you're not going to get that much better at it throughout your career as opposed to a lot of other things that can improve. So it is a kind of a scary thing. The commanders are taking on a, a real risk here with Sam in that way. I just happen to think that he is smart enough to overcome it 
and that there is also some situational play calling stuff that can potentially happen to keep him out of those situations quite as often where he is taking sacks. Yeah, and and Craig, look, I'll admit I haven't listened to the segment yet. I just really don't like the quote about him saying that Sam Howell's holding the commander's offense back, and I'm not aware of the bit of how you guys are overreacting and having fun, and I'm a huge fan of Linnell, all right? I I love Linnell. I want him to be great, and I'm trying to train him to use the force. He's my Padawan to become a Jedi, (laughs) but my take is this, is why are we complaining why aren't we complaining about the defense that's given up 400 yards and that's given up a ton of points? Why are we talking about Sam Howell taking sacks here when if the defense doesn't improve, the sacks won't matter because we'll be down every game? Ah, uh, Adam, here's where I hit you with some Jedi-level knowledge. Yeah. Because if Sam Howell wouldn't take so many sacks, the defense wouldn't give up 400 yards. The problem in the second half on Sunday was the offense could not stay on the field. And Howell's sacks were a big part of that. If you get on or convert on third down, uh, which involves being more efficient on first and second down and making it so you stop being in third and long, then the defense does not give up 400 yards because they only gave up five yards of play, which is kind of league average. They gave up 400 yards because they were on the field for 79 plays because their offense could not sustain drives. The two things are related. Like when we talk about complementary football, that's the kind of stuff that we're talking about. The defense down in and down out did not play poorly on Sunday. In fact, when Logan went back and watched the tape and we talked about it on take command, he said he thought they played better after watching the tape than he even thought going, you know, coming out of the game on Sunday. Like down in, down out, you evaluate the process and they did the right thing way more often than they did the wrong thing. There's obviously a couple of big plays that get given up. There's a couple of plays that just get made like the Drake London catch on the sideline of Benjamin St. Juice. Like, St. Juice has just got to have better ball skills, but he's in position. Like the process is good up until the point of making the play. Jamin loses uh, Kyle Pitts on the play. The touchdown early is some miscommunication, weird stuff with Danny Johnson and St. Juice. But that kind of stuff happens in NFL games. Like at the end of the day, they made plays in big spots and they gave up 16 points. And they did it despite the fact that their offense completely hung them out to dry for over a half of football. So that's why you need to talk about Sam Howell. And, like, again, I'm not, you know, I know, but you're also giving about. the defense a lot of credit for the three interceptions. I mean, the Benjamin St. Juice one, the ball landed in his hands. It was the worst play right, the quarterback could have made. in his hands because they're pressuring Desmond Ritter. Like, he's got, he, they right. freaked him out. Ritter, Ritter should have just taken the sack. <laughs> right? Okay. But sacks are so and, much like, better than turnovers. So much better. Of course. Of course, but like they knew who they were playing and they picked their spots and they did a good job of it. Like that's the defense's job. Like I think sometimes people want want players in this team, offensively and defensively, to take tests that they don't have to take. It's like you can't play Mahomes and Allen and the best teams every weekend and then shut them out. Not just because that's hard, but because they're not on your schedule every week. And so when you play Desmond Ritter and the Falcons, you you stop the run, which they did a tremendous job of. You make Ritter get in tough downs and distances where he's got to make plays. You apply pressure, and you see if he responds. He didn't. He threw the ball straight to him, and I think all of those turnovers happened on third or fourth down, if I'm not mistaken. So they picked their spots, they executed, and then they capitalized by actually catching the football. 
Like, that's a job well done in my book. So, and winning in the NFL, especially on the road, is really hard, and they did it. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree with you, and it's not like I, I disagree with your points, but we're talking about a quarterback that's thrown for 1,500 yards, nine touchdowns to six interceptions. Yes, he's taken sacks, but that's not as big of a deal as a defense that three weeks in a row has let one wide receiver go off for 120-plus yards. That's a bigger deal. Yeah, I'm not telling you that. I, I don't disagree with that. Um, I don't. I'm not I'm telling you this defense is playing perfectly. But again, like, does Drake London have a, over 100 yards if they're only on the field for 55 snaps? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Like that, th- these two things work in tandem together, and the sacks are the biggest problem on the offensive side. If you want to talk about some of those things that are happening defensively, like that's that's a bit of a different conversation. But I, I think there's enough room for to have both, and also to put them in context that like, you know. They haven't played per- like they did enough to win on Sunday, but they didn't play perfectly, which means you can look at, OK, how do you continue to refine the process and get better um, while also acknowledging that they did enough? Like, I think we just have a huge problem and I feel like it's worse this year than it's ever been of holding two thoughts in our head at once, which is that some things can be going well, whether it's with the team, with specific players, with units, some things can be going well and poorly at the same time. Sam can be good for 80% of stuff, but the 20% that's bad is really damaging. Like both of those things are true down in, down out most snaps. Like if you did a cut up of every play that Sam had this year and handed it to some independent analyst and did it without the sacks, they would think he's like a front runner for MVP. He's been really, really good when he doesn't take sacks. He's also taken more sacks than every single quarterback in the NFL, and he's on pace to take more than any in NFL history. That's a problem, and those two things can be true at once. Do you think that the sacks is going to lead to more turnovers? Is it going to lead to him getting hurt? Like, What is more of your thoughts on, on why the amount of sacks is so bad? I, I get it. He's leading the NFL, and that's not good. But he's also scoring a lot of points, though. Uh, they're not scoring as many as they could. I mean, they're they're like middle of the pack scoring offense. Um, they're averaging twenty two a game, I think, which is not like amazing. It's not bad. It's, it's better upgrade than it's from been. last year. Yeah, it sure is. It sure is. And like again, like Sam's done a lot of really great stuff. Um, but they also like they benefit Sunday from the Jamison Crowder punt return and for a, from a terrible Desmond Ritter interception. And I bring those two drives up as touchdown drives to say like when you don't have to sustain a drive over the course of, of the full field, you're less likely to take a sack at some point in that drive and thus more likely to score. So I think it's, it's the things you said. And also when you have to sustain drives and you take one sack, your likelihood of scoring drops dramatically. Mm-hmm. So whether it's touchdown, a field goal or field goal to nothing, like you're just way less likely to score points when you take sacks. I also think there's a chance that he gets, whether it's hurt, knocked out and he's gone for multiple weeks, or he's just banged up and then the performance starts to drop off. Or, yes, if you take hits, I mean, sack fumbles is certainly back in turnover-wise happen, or you take a hit and the ball floats up in the air, or you just make a bad read because you're rushed like Ritter has, or like Ritter did over the weekend. Like, all of those things are on the table. And ultimately, like, I think the reason that we talk about, and again, like, I want to be really clear. Like, I like Sam Howell a lot. I'm very happy he's the starting quarterback here, and I think he's doing overall a tremendous job. But specific to this issue, they're on him. There are receivers open this weekend, at least. There's receivers open on four of the five sacks. He had enough time. He's just on certain types of route combinations, on certain situations, it seems like he's not seeing the field clearly. And seven starts in, I'm not too upset about that. Like, it is what it is. 
but he's got to start making progress in that area. Otherwise, he's not going to have a chance to because he will get hurt or something like that will happen. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. I, I just think my overall take is we're, all, we're nitpicking a quarterback here that's been the best quarterback since Kirk Cousins when we should be focusing on the defense, the offensive line, the fact that we're not getting enough push for the running backs. The offensive line is playing fine. Like that, that's the one that I just I don't really understand the criticism. Like, PFF's got them graded as a top 10 pass-protecting offensive line in football, and they don't really run the ball that much. And when they have, like, they're middle of the pack in yards per carry. Yeah, I, th- so, well, I, like, thought, I thought in the fourth quarter there, the problem with the drives is the offensive line wasn't getting push on the early runs. Do you agree I mean, with that's that? I that's part of it. Yeah. I, that, that's, that's part of it. Like, they have had some issues. They don't scheme up their runs in the way that, like, the elite rushing offenses do. Like, that's just not a huge emphasis for them. Um, and I'm going to put that more on the coaching staff and the fact that they didn't practice running the football the entire spring and the first part of training camp than I am the execution of the specific offensive linemen themselves. Um, I think it's a scheme issue. I think it's a focus issue. Um, and I think that if they could, you know, if they could get some more of the quick game going and, and kind of loosen up the defense a little bit, then they would have better success. Like they're not a team that runs to set up the pass. They're a team that passes to set up the run. And the past offense dying in the second half meant they couldn't really get to the run. Craig, great stuff, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Tell Linnell I still love him. <laughs> I will. All right, thanks, Adam. See yep. you, buddy. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Welcome back to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105. 1FM. Phone lines are open throughout the show. 833-804-0910. It is 2.15 here on a Wednesday, which means it's time to bring in the czar, Gary Hess. What is happening? High school football, voice of high school football for 30 years, Gary, and <laughs> season's been flying by. It's It always does, especially you know when you t- turn the calendar October, you're thinking you're halfway through, and now you blink your eye and there's only three weeks left in the regular season. Next thing you know, we'll be doing those uh, playoff elimination games. And, of course, Gary calls the games on Friday night and also on Thursday. We'll get to that in a second, but let's get in the car and drive. How are the roads looking? Get out of the way, damn it! Time for a drive down Richmond Highway with Gary Hess, sports director and the voice of high school football in Richmond, Virginia. I understand there's traffic. You need to plan for that. Let's drive down Richmond Highway with Gary Hess on AWOD Radio. All right, let's start with the game of the week thriller last week, Glenn Allen against Hermitage. Every once in a while, you know, I pick the game of the week, and then it's like we get to the end of the game, it's like, man, I was right. Uh, <laughs> a little pat yourself on exactly, the back. Exactly. Then there are other times where, you know, it's a blowout. and You're you following know, other scores. Exactly. <laughs> talking, Telling every story Chris and I have in the books. But anyway, uh, great game. Back and forth, Glenn Allen drives down the field, scores on a on a on a touchdown pass, a swing pass that running back Dallas Chavis took into the corner of the end zone with a minute thirteen to go, and Hermitage desperately uh, down the field, uh, a a quarterback scramble, a pass to star receiver Andre Clark, another pass, and the receiver sprint breaks a tackle, sprints out of bounds, three plays. And got a chance to kick a field goal, about a 30-yard field goal, 
on the final play of the game, and it barely went wide right, like mm. Scott Norwood ride wide right, barely. And um, and uh, Glenn Allen holds on to win, 17-16. 17-16, and wow. And bedlam ensued. <laughs> and, you know, Glenn Allen and Hermitage are just a couple of miles apart up and down Staples Mill Road from each other. So backyard brawl kind of game, and it was very exciting. We had a great time, and uh, hopefully the next few weeks will live up to that one. All right, so did we have any shakeup then in the top 10? I know talking to Lane Casadante yesterday, the bottom half of the top 10, a lot of changes. Yeah, no changes in the top six. Uh, Highland Springs, Thomasdale, Manchester, Verona, Dinwiddie, Benedictine, in that order, status quo. The bottom four teams, all new this week. All the other four fell out, the other four came in. Matoica is seventh after beating Hopewell and knocking them out. Glen Allen moves in at number eight after beating Hermitage. Huguenot beat Bird and moves in at number nine. And Thomas Jefferson, undefeated, moves in at number 10 uh, as Trinity Episcopal fell out after a second straight loss. So how are you feeling about the teams locally here with the playoff picture three weeks to go? You know, it's interesting to look at, um, as you look at the different divisions, uh, Thomasdale, Holland Springs, Manchester, Glen Allen hold the top four spots in, in Class 6 Region A. Uh Thomasdale, Holland Springs, Manchester are almost assuredly going to be the top three in the end in some order. Uh, Glenn Allen hoping to hold on to that four spot, uh, but Oscar Smith is right behind them, and it, it's looking increasingly likely Glenn Allen and Oscar Smith will play in the first round of the playoffs, so they're just about, they're fighting back and forth to see who's going to get that home field. And when one's down in Chesapeake and one's here in the Richmond area, that's a big difference <laughs> between being at home and having to travel. In Division 5, we have Matoica, Hermitage, Godwin, Freeman, Bird all in the playoff race. Midlothian just on the outside looking in. Verina, Huguenot, Dimwitty, Powhatan, Henrico all in in Class 4 Region B right now. Hanover, Monacan, Atley, Patrick Henry just on the outside. And that brings me to our Game of the Week announcement for this week while we're talking about the playoff picture. All right. So eight teams making in each of these regions. You with me? Eighth right now in 4B is Henrico. Ninth in 4B is Hanover. Oh, so they're playing for the final spot. They're pretty much playing for the final spot right now, and that's our Game of the Week Friday night, Henrico at Hanover. Now, of course, things in weeks 10 and 11, 9 and 10 could still determine, but this is pretty much an elimination game uh, tomorrow night, um, Friday night, and that's why we made it our Game of the Week. In Division Three. Uh, Hopewell is in position, as is Colonial Heights. Also, Thomas Jefferson and Armstrong uh, in Region 2, Amelia and King William. So uh, we have a bunch of teams that are in position to uh, make the postseason uh, here in the RVA. Driving down Richmond Highway with the czar, Gary Hess, the sports director at WRNL and the voice of high school football in Richmond, Virginia, for 30 years. And I always like to ask you, who do you want to spotlight from last week's games? You know, there's a there's a couple I really want to mention. Powhatan, remember we talked about Powhatan last week with the 30-point fourth quarter right. uh, and, and, and the, the huge come-from-behind win over Cosby. Well, guess what? They were down 10 in the fourth quarter this week to Midlow. First of all, they led 15-0, then allowed Midlow to score 25 points in a row, and then put up 10 points in the fourth quarter, uh, field goal with 9.9 to go to force overtime, and then Matt Lehman, uh, who finished 23 of 34, 214 yards and two touchdowns, had the game-winning touchdown run 
in overtime, and uh, Pat, and then the defense got the stop. Powhatan wins 33-25 over Midlow in overtime. So uh, I think Coach Mike Henderson might be taking his heart pressure medication because <laughs> they've played a couple of heart stoppers the last uh, two weeks. Also, want to mention Matoica, who moved into our top ten this week. Now five and two uh, goes down to Hopewell. Tough place to play against a good team, and demolished Hopewell 35-7. Quarterback Riley Justice continues to get it done, 16 to 28, 265 yards and three touchdowns. One other player I want to spotlight, uh, and that is Kenyez Mungro Johnson from Colonial Heights. I want you to, they beat uh, Prince George 32 13. Here is the stat line that he put up nine catches, 133 yards, two touchdowns. And on defense, 10 tackles, a fumble recovery, and he blocked an extra point. Man, I love guys that can go and play both sides of the ball. And block next point, so that means he's playing in all three phases. Wow. So, uh, shout yeah, out. Any any idea where he would play college ball? I, I don't. He mm-hmm. is a senior. I do know that, but I do not know where he's going being recruited. Well, that's going to be a lot of great tape to send away to colleges now. Yeah, but that is unbelievable. You talk about making a difference in all three phases. That is That is tangible evidence right there. You know what I'm looking for when I look at the box score every week? Wondering when is Thomas Dale going to lose? They lost their quarterback, Ethan Mentor, and in comes the backup, and they haven't had any issues. You know, it's funny. The first time I talked to Kevin Tucker about this, he said our backup quarterback could start for 80% of the schools in the area. Wow. And we saw him against Dimwitty, and he was right. I mean, this guy's impressive. They beat Meadowbrook last week 42 8. I have Ethan Medley's stats here ready for you 11 of 14, 227 yards, and two touchdowns. He is not as. He doesn't run around as much as Ethan Minter did. He's more of a he can he can move the pocket, but he's more of a classic traditional passing quarterback. And they have moved Nick Tyree back into the backfield, and they move him all over the place. And Thomas still hasn't missed a beat. Mm-hmm. Has not missed a beat. And I well, think they must have a strong offensive line. Then they do. They yeah. have experience on the offensive line, uh, and, and and they've got and they have if 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 a team has a good pass rush, they've got. You know the screen game and the short passing game that where they can get the ball out of his hands quickly, but they can do a lot of different things. They have veterans in a lot of different spots. Uh, Thomas Dale is going to be very dangerous in the playoffs, but they are going to be. I haven't looked at the schedule, but I know they've already played Batoka. They've already played. Oh, they've got Hopewell coming up. That's going to be a test uh, in a couple of weeks. But Thomas Dale is going to be favored in all of its remaining regular season games and will be a tough out in the playoffs. Driving down Richmond Highway with Gary Hess here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, your home for Friday night football, the game of the week, Henrico at Hanover, but also the Thursday night football preview. Yeah, we haven't uh, haven't locked down our coaches that we're going to have on the show yet. Uh, we are efforting to get Matoaka, Coach Fred Stutes, who is um, uh, got got the Warriors rolling, and so we we hope to catch up with him. Uh, but the uh, we're going to do a deep dive at uh, at this playoff picture and uh, look at some of the scenarios and some of the key games to watch here in the last three weeks as the positioning for not only to get into the playoffs, but like we talked about with Glenn Allen, trying to get a home game in the playoffs or maybe a two seed to get two home games. Or that critical regional championship game at home. We've got there's some of that in play in several spots. So we'll break all that down on Thursday night. And that's Thursday at six p.m. Thursday at six, 
And, uh, and then the it's six thirty on Friday night. Our game of the week: Henrico at Hanover. Pretty much a playoff elimination game. Always on Sports Radio nine ten. The Fan one zero five one FM. The Odyssey app and at thefanrichmond.com. Gary, it's always fun. Always fun, my man. This is time of year where it is a whole lot of fun to talk high school football. Thanks for stopping by. Yep, yep, yep. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Let's drive down Richmond Highway with Gary Hess on AWOD Radio. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. There's only eight quarterbacks that have thrown for more yards in the NFL than Sam Howell. And most of them are franchise guys. Tua, Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts. Guys that franchises believe in to take their quarterback, to take their team to the next level. And I feel that way about Sam Howell. What do you think about Sam Howell? Are you ready to declare him your franchise quarterback? 833-804-0910. You've heard me talk about it all show long. I'm just sick and tired of D.C. sports fans beating up our own guys, right? We've been waiting for years. We've been waiting decades for a franchise quarterback. We've gone through the worst of the worst. Jason Campbell, Patrick Ramsey, Josh Johnson, John Beck, Danny Werfel. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Awful quarterbacks. Kyle Allen, Carson Wentz, Ryan Fitzpatrick lasted six plays in a commander's uniform. We've seen the worst of the worst. We've been waiting for decades. And now we have a guy throwing for 1,500 yards in just six games. Nine touchdowns to six interceptions. And we're constantly talking about his negatives? How about you pump up your own guy, right? How about as Commanders fans, we start pumping up Sam Howell? He's 4-3 and three as a starter. He has a chance to make it 5-3 and three with a very winnable game against New, uh, against New York. He's got NFL reporters all in on him, buying in on Sam Howell. Dan Orlovsky saying he's the most aggressive quarterback in the league right now. I feel like with Sam Howell as our quarterback one, the Commanders have a chance to beat anyone every single week, right? Philly's our biggest obstacle in the division. He drove right down the field and tied the game with a clutch fourth-quarter drive, sent it to overtime, and should have won that game if the if the refs called Terry McLaurin inbounds. Howell, in my opinion, is improving week-to-week week with his decision-making. He's absolutely got the accuracy and the arm strength to be our franchise quarterback. So why does it feel like we want to constantly bring our own guys down, right? We did that with RG3. Then we did that with Kirk Cousins. We were doing it with Taylor Heineke last season. Oh, he's just a guy. He can't win us games. Well, he won us eight games last year. Why are we doing this? Why are we constantly bringing our own guys down, right? Is it for clicks? Really? We're doing it for clicks? Are you doing it for clout? I don't understand. Why would we want to put him down and say, that Sam Howell's holding the commander's offense back. I just don't understand the negativity. After a win, right? I get it. If you wanted to say that after the Bears lost or after the Bills lost, that would have been the perfect time because Sam Howell did lose us the game against the Bills. That's absolutely correct. But any any other game besides that this season, we've had a chance to win because of what Sam Howell has done. We just beat the Falcons. 
But all the commander's headlines I'm reading are negative. Oh, this team's taking too many sacks. If you want to talk negative, fine. Let's talk about Jack Del Rio and his defense giving up 400 yards every game and letting just one receiver destroy the entire team, right? That's a bigger deal to me. You, you had Stefan Diggs make all three of our corners look lousy. You had DJ Moore burn us so badly that we had to bench our first-round draft pick. We had to bench Emmanuel Forbes. And then this past week, right? Not just A.J. Brown, right? Not just A.J. Brown. Drake London? Drake London is not destroying teams left and right, but he destroyed the commanders 125 yards. One receiver getting past the entire team. I just want to be positive. I want to be a positive guy on this show. And I'll tell you, I'm very pro-Sam Howell. Everything I've seen from Sam Howell shows me that he can be the guy, if not this season, then in the future. He's got to clean up some things, absolutely. He's taking too many sacks. I'm not arguing that that's not an issue. I'm arguing that there's so many positives we should be talking about, like the amount of yards he's throwing for, the amount of different guys he's getting involved in the game, right? And none of the quarterbacks last year knew you could throw to Brian Robinson Jr., Perhaps that's on Scott Turner for not understanding the weapon that he had, but Sam Howell's throwing it to Brian Robinson, and I love the timing on his screen passes, and that's just such a big part of having success with that play is you have to fake out the defense into thinking you're going to hold on to it, and then you release it to the running back just as they're too far upfield to make a play on the ball. Sam Howell has led this team from behind, an 18-point comeback against the Denver Broncos. We should be talking about how great that comeback was. We're not talking about that. We're talking about how many sacks he's got week in and week out. And I'm just, I'm tired of the negativity, all right? I want to pump our own guys up. And I'm pumping up Sam Howell. And I'm saying right now, he is our franchise quarterback. We need to believe in him. We need to put him in the right position. How do you do that? This offseason, I want to bring in three more offensive linemen. I want to bring in a young tight end that's going to be a dynamic playmaker. Right? Like a Brock Bowers of Georgia. Like some of the young tight ends that are taking over the league right now. Or even an old veteran. How great would Sam Howell be if he had even a Dallas Goddard at his disposal, right? Not even talking about Travis Kelsey, right? Give me a Mark Andrews. Uh, give me a decent tight end. I-, I like Logan Thomas. He's slow. He's slow. And you can't tell me you're not watching the games and, and-, and you're seeing. Logan Thomas, he looks slow on half these routes. He's not getting open. Half the time Sam Howell's taking a sack, I believe it's more of a coverage sack than it is Sam just sitting in the pocket. He's moved up. He's slid around in the pocket. He's learned his pocket awareness six weeks into the season is so much better than it was in the preseason. I told you guys my takeaway in preseason was Sam's not going to be the guy unless he learns that you can't run backwards to escape a sack. He stopped doing that. He's also held on to the football in the sacks. So many positives that outweigh the negatives. That's my thought. If you want your want to put your two cents in there, you can chime in. 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home. 
for the best damn sports talk here in town. Talk a, a ton of DC sports with a Richmond flavor. We drive down Richmond Highway with the czar, Gary Hess. Talk high school football every Wednesday at 2.15. Lane Casadante from CBS 6 here locally joins us every Tuesday at 1.30. Talk about local high school and college sports here in Richmond, Virginia. I'm Adam Epstein. This is AWOD Radio. And I'll tell you, I have been on a a grind watching a ton of sports documentaries. I'm all in on sports documentaries. I've been watching the new one on Netflix, Beckham. So I'll get to that and give you my recap of that right now here on Netflix. Netflix, the best of streaming services, TV, movies, books, podcasts, and more. We've got you covered on Netflix. All right, Beckham on Netflix. Beckham, David Beckham, the boy wonder, the pretty boy, played for England, Manchester United, uh, in the early part of his career, and that's where the documentary begins. It's excellent. First off, I will admit, I do love it because his wife's in it, and Posh has always been my favorite Spice Girl. Love her, love Victoria Beckham. Uh, but I'm also a huge soccer fan, and I just wasn't aware of how much David Beckham was hated after the World Cup game in which England lost to Argentina and he got a red card. The documentary points out, nobody ever talks about the fact that England lost in penalty kicks. It's not like they lost because they had 10 men on the field. They lost because they didn't make enough penalty kicks. David Beckham wasn't on the pitch to kick one, but yet the manager blamed Beckham. And he was getting so much hate when he returned to England, Stub, that he was getting death threats everywhere he went. They were throwing things at him. They were sent. They were mailing bullets to his house. Oh my! Yeah, people in England, they wanted to murder David Beckham, and partially that's because he got the red card. But the bigger deal is because the manager went out and just blamed Beckham. So it's a great documentary. I'm two episodes into it. I think it's a four-part series, and it's great. If you know any sports documentaries uh, that are really good, you could call in right now. 833-804-0910. Another small story I wanted to bring up on Netflix today. So we know that Deadpool 3, when is when is that going to get released? It's, Ooh, it's like I, it keeps it, getting pushed back. Yeah, right? I mean, with the strikes, I mean, the actors are still on strike, yeah. so they can't really work on it. Uh-huh. But it's going to star Hugh Jackman alongside Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Reynolds. Yeah. And there were rumors that... It was going to be the first installation in which the X-Men and the MCU would combine for the multiverse, right? Mm -hmm. And there were rumors out there that they were going to have a new Wolverine, right? Hugh Jackman's already said, it's going to be the last time I do Wolverine. I think he's yeah. the best Wolverine of all time. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's like I mean, the only one. Well, I mean, if, even if you talk about like uh, the comic guys, yeah, yeah. right? Or, or the animated versions, they just don't match what Hugh Jackman brought to the table. But some fans were suggesting that Daniel Radcliffe was bulking up and was getting ready to be the next Wolverine. Well, in an interview with Vanity Fair, he declined the he denied the rumors, said, I just want to be fit. Uh, people are insane uh, to think that me getting into shape means that I'm playing Wolverine. The, That's the, not true. The rumors for Deadpool 3 are unlike anything like everyone's going crazy and predicting everyone's going to show up. It's getting right. ridiculous. Like, well, because... I think what they did, which was an issue, is Kevin, was it Feige or Feige? Oh, Feige. Feige. He basically came out and said that after, I think, the events of Deadpool 3, that it's all open for anybody to return. Like, Tony Stark could come back. And all these people, because they're going to reset yeah, the events they, he, I, of Infinity War. And I just don't like that. It's like, yeah. 
you're trying to go for a younger audience, I guess, but everyone that's stuck with you throughout phase one, two, three, and four, we don't want to see you go back to those guys. Give us new. Yeah, they're really losing steam, yeah. and you can tell. Yeah. They're, they're making a lot of changes. I really thought the last Doctor Strange was awful. I liked it. It was it was a horror movie, but it was not a MCU movie. It was it, for the horror category. I, I enjoyed parts of it, but at the end of it, I was like, "What is this? this is not the MCU that I there, fell in love." There with. were some dumb choices. Yeah. I love Sam Raimi. Yeah. I love all of his movies. Yeah. The well, Evil Dead trilogy. Fan. I am you're a horror, horror fan. Yeah. So seeing him uh, get in there was nice, but it's been nothing's been great lately. So uh, another story we wanted to get to on Netflix today involves Netflix testing game streaming capabilities more seriously to hopefully compete with PlayStation and Xbox. I think that's wild to put yourself in the category it's, with PlayStation and it Xbox. It is a horrible idea. They should put themselves in the category with like iPhone games and Android games. It, you know what I mean? Like the the entering the console market is not possible. Right now, Google tried right. to, with their like streaming yeah. console, failed horribly. The yeah. Stadia, no one has one. It doesn't streaming isn't there yet for games. Well, and you need such good internet yeah. to work, and and it's just not enough people that are going to play games on Netflix have right. the internet to right. do that. Well, when you go to Netflix, you don't want to hold a controller. That's been my biggest thing, right? Like they have a few trivia games on there, like they have Trivia Pursuit. Uh, I didn't even know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have this other game uh, I played with my mom where you like you're a, you're a fox trying to steal paintings, and every time you get a question right, you steal something. Um, and it's just kind of like a trivia game, right? It sounds like games on like a DVD. Yeah. Like for a movie. And that's exactly like that kind what of it is. That's yeah. exactly what it is. And it's not good enough. Uh, the test is limited beta, and not everyone may have access, but initial users can play two games they're calling Oxenfree and Mulhue's Mining Adventure. Uh, using their phone as the controller. If, if you're going to do that, why wouldn't I just use the Xbox then? You know? I, yeah. I, and I think that, like, uh, do you know about Jackbox? What's Jackbox? Jackbox is it's a series of games where you put it on, like, the PlayStation, and then everyone plays on their phones, and okay. they're, like, party games. And they're okay. great. Love them. Like, and what's it, an example game that you'd play? Like, uh, like, beer Pong? No. No, no, no. It's like, it's like it'll have, like, a prompt, and, like, everyone will get the prompt on their phone, and they write out a silly answer, and then it shows it on the screen, and you have to vote for which one is funnier. Oh, so it's kind of like Cards Against Humanity Yeah, but almost. it's it's like it's more it's like a video game element to it and there's yeah. a ton of different games, really fun. I play it all the time. So and how do you buy that? I'm interested. It's it's just on like PlayStation Store? Oh, okay. Anything like that? What yeah. if it's on uh, Xbox? It is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's everywhere. All right. Jack so, in the Box? Jack Box. Jack Box. Yeah, and there's like 10 different packs right now. Okay. But I'm waiting for Friday. Spider-Man 2 for PS5 comes out. Oh. And I <laughs> I've seen this, a lot of really cool videos about that. I am stoked. Really? Yeah. So I you're will be, a big Spider-Man player. I'm a big Spider-Man guy, big PS5 guy. Midnight on Thursday, it's Spider-Man time. Really? I'm going to be coming into the station tired <laughs> on Friday. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm very pro video games, but mostly I've been playing um, like the sports games. I will say, mm -hmm. for a while, I got really into Fall Guys. Did oh, you I get love into Fall that? Guys. Oh, because yeah. that's the kind of games that I think... They can kind of bring generations together. Yeah. It's like basic, but really good graphics. Uh, I just don't like Fortnite and the, and the <laughs> Call of Duty and those kind of games. That's not me. Not not for me either. Yeah, you're not a shooting I'm, game I'm guy. I'm a single player guy. Yeah. 
I, I just want to like hang out. I don't want to get competitive. Uh-huh. I, I when I'm playing a game, I usually want to like play a game and be watching a show. Okay. You know, like yeah. little low attention yeah. for both. Yeah. Kind of thing. I understand that a lot. I, I do that with FIFA sometimes. Like have a college football game in the background while I'm playing FIFA. Uh, but yeah. So what I am kind of interested in is they have Netflix is reportedly putting plans together to develop games based on their own properties, like Squid Game. That could be kind of interesting if they're taking, like, if they had a Stranger Things game. You know what I mean? If yeah, they had I, games off of their popular content. Well, there is a series of like Stranger Things games. They're oh, not are, big, but okay. like they're probably it, not it's, very good. Yeah, if they're making them for Netflix, I don't have high hopes. Yeah, I think it's smart to like send them off to to be on the consoles and on the computer and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But if they, if they keep making DVD menu games, I I don't see that doing anything for it them. It just feels like Netflix is trying everything right now like well, the story yesterday we we're talking about the yeah, netflix they're... houses now they're trying to get into yeah, gaming it seems like they're scrambling I, it seems like there's a part of it i think is because of the sharing password crackdown remember the tweet love is sharing a netflix password and they, <laughs> and they turned they, their back on their did. own tweet so that's 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 not ju- you know what that's not cool not that's cool. not cool man it's not cool man well you're a cool man stubby you've done a good job producing the show today it's grant and danny coming up next from Washington, D.C.